0: Thank you so much for signing on tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to be speaking out of the same series that I've done a couple of times um, in Invest. And we're going to be looking, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Second Timothy in chapter 3. Um, here we find, again, the life of Paul. We've been coming out of the previous messages out of First Thessalonians. But Paul, this is his last letter to his protege, the, the person that he has been pouring into faithfully and essentially is leaving the mantle of ministry with. And he tells uh, Timothy really four different sections in this one chapter about what it is to be prepared to go and invest in the lives of others. Just want to remind you, if you haven't watched those other messages before, that the the concept is this, that God called us to salvation, not just to rescue our soul, um, but he has called us to go and invest in other people. Um, He gives us two specific terms, one being a disciple maker that he is calling us to take what he has taught us and invest it in the lives of other people, but then also he calls us to be witnesses. Um, That's not something that God is just calling a specific group of followers of Christ. He has called every person that has trusted Christ um, to to go and do those two things. Um, So the question is for you tonight as a believer in Christ, if you are, Um, Are you investing in the lives of other people? Again, those other messages talked about different um, ways that he is calling us to do those things. But tonight, he is calling us to be prepared as we enter into that service. And so, if you will, look at what verse 1 says. It says, But understand this, that in these last days there will come difficult times, If we enter into the service of God, and first off, I would say when I was um, 20 years old was when I really started into ministry. I had a um, bivocational ministry position. And I remember going into that thinking, man, I'm going to go and do the work of the Lord. It is gonna be so easy. There's not gonna be any kind of hardship at all. And here Paul, when he's speaking to Timothy, again, this is his last message and instruction to his young protege. And he says, understand this, on the last days, there will be times of difficulty. So point number one is this, expect difficulty, expect hardship. Um, I, a couple of years back, about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, I took a mission trip to New York um, it was a group of our students here, of middle school students and high school students, about 37 of us going up to New York. Prior to that, Tracy and I went to New York City. Um, we had an unbelievable vacation. It was so much fun. Um, we uh, went and traveled around, saw the different sites, used public transportation, stayed um, around Central Park. We did the Central Park tour. So when I was taking these 37 students up there, I thought, you know what, I have such a great memory of New York City, it was just amazing. Um, Now you fast forward through our seven days with having public transportation with these 37 middle school and high school students, the stress of getting them in and out of the subway, Um, the stress of maneuvering Central Park, the stress of taking them downtown, And I I tell you, now when I think back to New York City, I don't think like of the vacation that Tracy and I had and all the fun that we had. No, I think back to the chaos of worrying about these kids. Well, at times when we are investing in other people, we can get that very same way. Um, We can have this idealistic view towards investing in others and we think, you know, this is just gonna be so rosy, so easy because I'm doing God's will. What Paul is trying to say to Timothy and what I'm saying to you is when we invest ourselves in the ministry of God, we need to understand there are going to be difficult times. There are going to be hardship. Why is that? It's because we are pushing against culture. It's because we have a legitimate enemy that wants to distract them, wants to destroy their lives and destroy their fellowship with God. And so he is clearly communicating, man, on these last days, there will be difficult time. The other expectation he desired for Timothy to have, look what he says in verse 2. He says, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parent, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, lovers of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So point number two is this, expect their heart condition and their character to be different than yours. So we being believers in Christ um, and, and pursuers of God, there should be a stark contrast to the people that we're trying to invest in. We need to go in there with the clear expectation that these people are sinners just like us. Um, Any time that you invest, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're doing one-on-one discipleship, whether you're going and um, serving people on the mission field, whatever it is, or you're just going and investing in the community that you're in, your school, your, your business, you need to understand you are dealing with lost people or your um, believers that are sinful. And so we should understand that their heart condition is totally different. Again, looking at this list, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient. Um, That last verse, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so these expectations, first off, expect difficult time. Second, also expect that their heart condition and their character are going to be different than yours. Um, God has not called us to an easy task. You think about where you were when Christ found you, all of those same things were true of you and me, that I were, I was all of these sinful acts. Um, look what he continues to say in verse five. He says, having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. So point number three is this. He's telling, um, again, Timothy to expect to avoid certain people and their influences. Uh, I think this is the hardest thing to do if you've really bought into the understanding that God has given this clear command for us to invest our lives in other people, um, that we are to pray about the people we allow to consume our time, um, that there are certain people in just this next section, um, Paul is going to communicate to Timothy what these people, these types of people that he should avoid, who they are. But there are going to be times that people come in and out of your life, and it's not for the benefit of their spiritual growth. It's actually to... Um, be a time sucker in your life. And and it sounds terrible, but it's so true. Um, So looking at this second section of who should we avoid in our lives, point number five is this. Again, look what he says in verse number five. He says, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. Point number um, one is this, people who are playing religious games. There are people that are in our lives and, and potentially in this church and in times even in our own life, that we're going through all of the motion, we're showing up to the events, but we are just playing religious games. That denial of power is the Holy Spirit's um, um, activity in our life that creates sanctification. So we're sitting, we're going through the motions, we're here, God's word's being presented, but we are not receiving that information, uh, information and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. So in your life right now, are you attempting to invest in people right now that this would be true of, that they have a form of godliness, they're going through the motions, but you look internally into their spiritual life, there is no transformation that's taking place. Now, should you stop loving and stop reaching out to that person? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm telling you is this, that we can um, waste our time trying to invest in people that are not receptive to it at the moment. Uh, The next point is, look at what he says in verse 6. For among them are those that creep into the households and capture weak women, burden them with sin, and lead them by various passions. So point number uh, two is this. People who use religion to exploit and lead others astray. You you think about in in our society, it's easy for us to to look and see this for a televangelist. Um, we, we, it's easy for us to identify those that are promising um, if you give to their ministry or give to them um, that God's blessing is just going to shower them and they're going to meet them in some um, extravagant way. And it's easy for us to identify like those people that are trying to exploit people in the, in the context of religion. Um, but this takes place also in our own lives or in our own ministry area where they're showing up with the wrong motivation. Um, now, in times that, that can, uh, God can use that. I, I remember when I was a middle school kid, I uh, transitioned to high school. I went to a youth event uh, my, in between my eighth grade and ninth grade year. My only reason going to that beach camp was a, the purpose of hanging out with my friends and hanging out and seeing some ladies, you know, and that, that's just truthful on my side. Um, but God captured me in those moments. There's a difference between you not knowing why you're showing up to the event because that might have been impure motivation on my heart, but God had the intention of speaking to me at that camp and rescuing my soul. Um, But the question is this, when you are showing up or when they are showing up, are they coming for the purpose of hearing from God and receiving from God? And so the first person, again, that we should avoid are people that are just playing those spiritual games. The second is the people that that are hanging out, that are in our lives, um, that are not trying to receive the word of God, but trying to look for ways to exploit other people. Um, The next person that we should avoid is this. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, always learning, but never arriving to the knowledge of truth. These people are people that continually go through Bible studies, continue to go through training, uh, continue to study the Word, but never applying it to knowledge. So point number uh, three would be people who desire to learn without the desire to apply. Um, Let's be honest. There are times that me and you could probably be that same person. Um, We maybe are reading the Word on a continual basis. We're sitting underneath the teaching of God's Word, um, but the question is this, are you allowing and am I allowing God's word to take root in my life, transform my life, and put those things into application? A clear picture of that is over the message of tonight. Um, again, talking about investing, that God has called me and he has called you as a believer to invest in the lives of others. Um, it, it's, it's sad for me to, to think I've been saved for maybe 20 years now or over that, And um, how many of those years I never witnessed to people, I didn't work to disciple people, I wasn't looking for ways to invest in other people's lives. I was living a very selfish life, just absorbing the grace of God myself, um, desiring for his blessing all my life, and looking towards salvation and being reconciled with him for eternity. But not thinking, God, you have planted me here on this earth. And and your goal is to glorify yourself through my life, through my character, through my witness, and I should be looking around for people that I should be investing in. And so the people that we should avoid are the people that again are just you know learning, always learning, but never applying the truth of it. The last person that Paul warns Timothy about is this, just like Janus and Jambres um, opposed. Uh, Moses, and here I want you to think, going back to Pharaoh, these were two sorcerers that, that Pharaoh had. So that these men also opposed truth, uh, men corrupt in mind and disqualified regarding to the faith. So the two things that he draws out is they have a distorted mind, they have an evil mind, and they're, they're not believers. These types of people being around us, that they think evilly and they practice evil because they are lost. He says, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as it was for these two men. Um, what he's saying is, um, again, going back to that reference that, that Paul is making, these two men, if their, their counterfeit version of what God was doing was plain to everybody. And here, these people will be people that are practicing faith and doing faith, but you understand, as you look at their life, you understand that's not real. That's not real faith. Um, I want you to think about people maybe that you know that they are claiming Christianity, but once you are around them, you realize, man, they, this doesn't match what Scripture says. Um, the question is this, more internal, introspective. When you claim Christianity, when you say that you're a follower of Christ, and people around you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your classmates, when they, they hear you claim Christ, Does how you practice Christianity match up with that statement, that thing that you're saying about you? Here when we are pursuing Christ and we're looking to invest in other people, again, these uh, four types of people we should avoid. Those that are just going and playing religious games. Those that are trying to exploit other people. Those that are just learning but never applying. And then these people that, um, point number four would be people who oppose or distort the truth of God. Those that are trying to distort, manipulate, and change the truth of God are saying, you know what, hey, I understand Scripture says that you're supposed to be a witness and disciple-maker. These people say, you know what, you don't have to do that. You don't have to invest. You don't have to pour your life out in someone else. You can just sit and absorb. So how should we, the the third section in this one chapter is this, um, how should we stand out as believers? Because the most prominent way that you're going to invest in other people is how you live your life. Like, he is going to, he's going to allow you, and we should vocally speak into other people's lives, but the observation of our life should be a standing witness in the life of other people as well. Um, so look what he says in verse 10, and we'll break down this verse into multiple points. Look what he says. He says, you, how- however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, and my steadfastness. So here just in this passage, again, Paul pouring himself out, investing himself out in young Timothy. This is his last letter. After this, shortly after, Paul will be put to death. But he again is pouring himself out, and he's saying, young Timothy, this is how you're going to stand out in the midst of this wicked generation. Point number one, the teachings we follow. In your life right now, the the teachings that you are following, who you're allowing to speak into your life, what you're you're saying is valuable in this life. When people look at that, man, they're influenced by that type of teaching, their instruction. I think about that as a parent. Um, What am I communicating to my kids that is important? because verbal communication is one thing, but what we are actually following, the instructions that we're following, that's how they know what's important to Garrett and for Tracy. So for you, when you think about the people that you're investing in, those people are hearing what you say, but they're also watching what you follow. Point number two is this, our character and conduct. Our character and conduct. Have you ever heard the statement um, do, what I, do what I say, not as I do, that is terrible. Especially if we're trying to invest in, in other people's lives. They should be able to look at our conduct and model our conduct with what matches up with Scripture. And that's exactly what Paul was saying to Timothy again. He says, you know, you, you understand how um, I have taught you and my conduct, my aim in life. So point number three is this, my life purpose. You think about the mission of your life. Just take Paul for an example. Uh, Paul being a persecutor of the church, a persecutor of this new religion, and then all of a sudden his life is totally transformed by the person of Jesus Christ. And then the rest of his life is in sacrifice to this mission, this good, establishing churches and pouring himself out into other believers and other leaders. So here he's saying, my life purpose, when people look at your life purpose, your direction that you're following, what you are achieving and striving for, is it pointing them to the person of Jesus Christ? Um, The next point is this, our faith. Um, This is putting or trusting something. Faith is not so much about what you say, but it is observed through your activity and what you actually are putting trust in. When people are around you, even during, like, when Things are just totally snatched out from underneath you during this pandemic, during this uh, election cycle, um, during the civil unrest. People are watching us, looking at us, and they're asking this question, hey, who is Garrett putting trust in? Who are you putting trust in? And as believers in Christ, if they see us holding uh, secure and holding on to the person of Christ, man, that is drawing their attention that there's something unique about you and unique about me. Next point is this our patience. That word patience there is long suffering. I was talking to one of my co workers today, and I, it made me think it was actually a couple of days ago, uh, but it made me think back to having young kids. Uh, for those of you that are parents, can you remember those long road trips with the two kids in the back seat and they're either fighting or a young? infant crying and just how, in your mind, you're thinking, this is driving me crazy. You know, it's just driving me crazy. Um, this word long-suffering is, is one that is a term of patience. In your life right now, are the things that you are patient in, does it, is it supernatural? Like, is, is it um, patience that are given by God? When you, when you look at your life, are you modeling Christ with the way that you display patience? Is it a testimony for those people that you're attempting to invest in? Um, next point is this, in our affections or what we love. Our affections or what we love. You think about in your life right now, um, a lot is told about what we give our attention or our affection to. Um, I think back to when I got saved. Um, before salvation, my affections, my love, my attention, they were given to a lot of the things in this world. Um, If I thought about church service and um, doing Christian activities, I thought that those things were just totally strange and odd, that the people that practice those things were weird. But then all of a sudden, I became one of the weird people that I used to judge um, because my heart changed, and because my heart changed, my affection uh, changed as well. So in your investing in other people, they're going to be um, shown and invested in, and there's going to be a distinction in you based on the teachings that you follow, your your character, your life purpose, your faith, your patience, your um, affections, and then lastly, your faithfulness, your steadfastness. In your relationship with the Lord, do people during those hard times see you holding on to Christ securely? Um, I, I think back all of the time when I walk through moments of difficulty, I think about the disciples on the boat with Jesus. Um, Jesus sitting and sleeping at the helm of the boat, the disciples, um, you know, gripping the side of the boat um, in fear because the wind and the waves were just like crashing over. They thought the boat was about to swamp and just be totally destroyed and they were going to drown. And and their fearful plea, they woke up Jesus and said, Jesus you know, don't you care we're about to drown? And Jesus stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and he says, peace, be still. And it said that the wind and the waves just totally quieted down. And he looked to the disciples and he says, why do you doubt? And the disciples are thinking, who is this man? Understand in our heart and life, when when things are just totally out of control, we have the steadfastness and faith because we have the creator of the universe that not only is in control of everything, but he loves me and he loves you. And we can remain faithful to him and we can be at peace in him because he is in love with us and he is totally in control of everything that's going on in our lives. And when we walk securely in that manner through moments of difficulty, the people that we're trying to invest in see that activity and practice of faith in our life. And again, it turns their heart's attention not to you and not to me, but to our Heavenly Father. So the last section that he walks through is this in this chapter. How do we stay grounded? So he talks about, again, what we should expect. Then he talks about the people that we should avoid. And then he talks about how we should stand out. And the last section is talking about how we as believers in Christ in these moments stay grounded. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, again, he's talking about remember these things, my persecution, my suffering that happened to me in Iconium and um, Antioch in Lystra. And he says, which persecution I endured yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I underline that again. All who desire to live godly lives will be persecuted. That should leave in our heart and mind this question. If you're not facing difficulty, opposition, persecution, are you attempting to live this godly life? Now, none of us would choose... to to desire that. But again, looking at the the time frame of our life being this brief moment on this earth, that, that in the concept of eternity, this is just a small window of your existence. And if this is the only time that you're going to face hardship for the cause of Christ, hardship for the purpose of his glory, hardship for the expansion of the gospel, isn't it worth it isn't it worth it that our King, our Savior, our Lord is glorified through our lives, through this small window? And often we would choose the other option, to say this path is going to, it's going to promise hardship. This path is going to promise that there will be persecution in my life. I'm just going to take the easy road, and every time a believer chooses not to invest, not to allow God to be fully glorified in our life, but choose the easy road of just saying, you know what, I'm going to enjoy Christ and I'm going to have the security of salvation, but I'm not going to really push against this world and push against the darkness. And he applauds that because he might not be able to change your salvation, but you have totally muted the voice of God through your life. Look again, so point number one would be this. Um, how should we stay grounded? Remember people's past faithfulness. Here when Paul is saying this, he's saying, hey, remember the, the persecution that I faced on my missionary journeys in um, Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra. He's saying, remember those hardships, but he says, um, I endured them all, and the Lord rescued me. That you understand that when you face these times of difficulty, and he's telling Timothy, hey, you're going to face this because anyone that desires God to be glorified in their life are going to face persecution and hardship. He's saying, understand this, God is there with you. So it reminds me of the the story, again, on the missionary journey where Paul was outside one of these cities. He went into the city, and he was teaching. The, The city rose up against him because of the Jews, and they stoned him drug him outside the city, and he's laying there unconscious, and he comes back to himself. He gets up, and then he goes back into the very city that he has just stoned in. And so here, when, when Timothy is looking and receiving this letter from Paul, he's receiving it from a man that has walked this path. And so for you and for me, understand this, that the stories in Scripture remind us that God is faithful in these people's lives, and he will be faithful in ours. Also look around you. There are faithful saints around you right now that are investing their lives in other people, and we can look at their lives and draw strength from them. Continue Continuing, point number two, look what he says in verse 13. He says, While evil people, people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Point number two is this. Don't be swayed by others, but hold on to truth. Don't be swayed by others, but hold on to truth. And this is a truth about this series of Invest. The majority of the people that claim that they are followers of Christ are not looking for ways to disciple other people. A majority of the people that claim to know Jesus Christ as their Savior are not looking to witness to other people. And so what I'm asking you to do, as I'm asking myself, don't base your practice of Christianity off of what other people are doing, but what the sacred scriptures are telling you to do. He is calling us. He is saying that when I come into your life, I will transform who you you are for the purpose of my glory. And so here when Paul is leaving Timothy, he's saying, don't be swayed by others, but hold on to the truth. And lastly, look what he says in verse 16. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Just pause, that verse right there is everything that God is going to do in and through my life and your life in investing other people. He's saying, I've given you the tool, it's the word of God. That everything that you need is just giving them the word of God. That it's for their teaching, it's for their reproof, it's for their correction and training in righteousness that he has given us this this gift, he's given us this tool, he's saying that's what's gonna happen. Look what he says in verse 17, that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That not only it is our tool to invest in other people, but it's also the thing that equips and washes over us. So the last point that Paul is giving Timothy in this chapter is this, let God's word continue to direct you and transform you. So if you're here tonight and you think about your life, um, the fact that God is calling you, um, when he called you into salvation, he called you to be a witness and disciple maker. Um, you have just gotten from the word of Paul as he's investing in Timothy, these four categories of ways that we should look at our own lives. But here we have been given the sacred trust of the word of God. It's for the purpose of teaching other people, reproving other people, correcting other people, and training them in righteousness. But then also, as we receive this word, it transforms our lives. Here are three closing questions. Number one is this. Are you willing to struggle in order to invest in other people's lives? Are you willing to, to use this brief window of your life to say, God, I desire for you to use me, God. I desire for other people to, Um, to to hear from you, that their lives be changed and transformed, that they be equipped to go and make disciples as well. I desire for your Holy Spirit to pour out the gospel through my life. And yes, that's going to give me moments of struggle, and there are going to be times of difficulty and times of persecution, but this brief window is for your glory, and it is my life. Question number two is this, are you willing to live a life that acts as a living witness for others? Now understand that your greatest witnessing opportunity is through observation of your life. Yes, we should teach. Yes, we are called to share. But when people look at your life through every season of your life, are you willing to be that living witness, that living example? And the last question is this, Are you committed to be faithful to the end? There is no off-ramp. There is no retirement to the Christian faith. When we enter into salvation, God has called us to be that living witness, that living example, until we breathe our last breath. And that way, when we see our Heavenly Father, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we, I, did not deserve salvation and this free gift of salvation, God. God, we have been given the precious gift of your Holy Spirit inside of us, the sacred trust of your word, and you have called us as disciples to go and make disciples. Go and Be your witness, your gospel carriers. And so, Father, tonight I pray that through the teaching of your word and the activity of your Holy Spirit, that all around this community and maybe world, that you would be calling out believers to go and be your sent disciples and disciple makers in the lives of other people. And that, Father, we would be the carriers of the gospel wherever we go. And regardless if that brings persecution or hardship in our life, God, we are willing because we desire for this life, this breath, this brief window of existence to be used for your glory, your honor, and your good. And So, Father, tonight I pray if there's anyone that's watching this that has never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, and Father, that they understand that this life has no meaning apart from you, has no true pleasure, no true joy apart from you, and you are offering all of that through the person of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that tonight that you would rescue their soul, that you would redeem their purpose, and that you would set them on mission for your glory. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.